0: You may be seated. Yes, please. Hey, one thing I want to mention before we get into the sermon, and that is, those of you who are members, uh, you're going to receive an email today. Am I right, Cindy? It's going to be an email with a survey monkey question in it. It's going to be a simple yes or no question, do you want Carl Goins to become one of the pastors at Cornerstone Church. So please look for that. We want to hear from all the members that we possibly can. And uh, I'm assuming it's going to be a resounding yes. So I'm looking forward to having him as one of my fellow pastors, one of the guys I get to work with a lot in this here church, this here church. Did you hear that? I got to start my watch and time this. There we go. The title of today's sermon is "Alelon" or One Another. I intend this to be the third and final of the series. I say that because I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get through what I have here, but I don't want to drag you all through one more week. However, if you all compel me, I'll submit to you. So it's up to you. So let me just review a few things real quick. I've already told you that there are 100 occurrences of that Greek word, Alelon, in the New Testament. 47 of them are telling believers how to treat, how to relate to, how to feel about one another. So we've been looking at those 47. We're not looking at all of them, but we're working our way through some of them, and they tend to cluster into some groups, and we're, we're, we're singling out what some of the groups are. So one of the groups is, I'll put it up for you, some of the one and simply tell us to love one another, and that's about a third of those 47. If you can do that math, a third of 47 is what? I don't know, whatever it is. Now some of you are distracted. You're doing the math. Um, Anyway, about a third of those simply say, love one another, love one another, love one another. In other words, that is a major theme. That is to be a major factor in the way we relate to one another. It must be characterized by love. Even the kind of love, even the bar is set at, Even the standard is, as I have loved you, said Jesus, so you love one another. So some of the one another's simply tell us to love one another. Next slide. Some of the one another's are about how we get along with one another. So we looked at a bunch of those last week, do this for one another, do that for one another, and we, uh, we got to the end of the sermon, and we had time for one of the next category that I'm going to give you, and that is that all of the negative one another's don't do this to one another, don't do that to one another. All of the negative one another's are relational. They're about how not to get along with one another, how not to treat one another. So we're going to jump back in there, and I'll, I'll touch briefly on the one we just looked at a little bit at the end of the sermon, and we'll go on from there. You all with me? Everybody following this? Okay. Hello, Laban. Good to see you back there, bro. Um, so here's the first one Romans 14, 13. And the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Longer. The phrase any longer implies you've done this in your past, don't do it anymore. You've passed judgment on people in the past, don't do it anymore. Let us not pass judgment. Now, there are things on which we can judge. If you're violating God's commandment and it's clear and I see it, I can say to you, hey, that's sin, that's proper. But there are things that the Bible doesn't speak to, and this is what they were judging each other about. There are things that theologians call the adiaphora, which is a big word meaning things not spoken about. There are things that aren't covered in the Bible, and what they were having judgment parties over was, there were certain foods. Can you eat food that was sold in the market uh, that had been offered to idols? Can you eat foods that are forbid by Old Testament dietary regulations? And there were differences, and uh, they were judging one another. And Paul says, stop judging. If you want to eat the food, fine. If you don't want to eat the food, fine. Don't judge each other, because the Bible doesn't say it's right or wrong. Actually, it's allowed, but it doesn't mean you have to. So fine either way. Or they were also judging each other about days. What's the right day for worship? Is it Saturday like it had been? Is it now Sunday? Is Sunday a new Sabbath, or is Sunday just a worship day? or what is it? And there were differences of these things, and it really doesn't matter what day you worship on. God has not prescribed. You must worship on one certain day. We always see New Covenant believers worshiping on Sunday. But again, there's no command, you must worship on Sunday. So they were differing with one another, and the Apostle Paul says simply, stop judging one another. So as we come back into the building, we get this negative one another, and we want to make sure that we don't get into little fights over things that the Bible doesn't strictly tell us about. For example, what does the Bible tell you about politics? Where does it tell you to land on the political spectrum? Some believers actually think it does tell them where to land, but uh, I think they're wrong. Uh, What does the Bible tell you about how to best do justice or how to best show mercy? Are we all to do justice? Are we all to show mercy? Absolutely. Those are in the very heart of God. But now, which method shall we choose by which to do it? And believers differ over that. Guess what? In here... We're not going to judge each other over that. You have that view, and I have this view. Bless you. You're my brother, and I'm going to love you, though we differ in views. So we're to be a very countercultural people, a very unusual people for his praise, and we can differ on political things, and we can differ on justice things, on how it's to be accomplished, but we can still love one another and embrace one another and be one in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a negative one another. Don't pass judgment on each other. Here's another negative one. You shall love, Romans 5, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Give me Romans 5, please. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Alright, I have it here. But if you bite and devour one another. Do we not have that slide? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, brother. We worked so hard checking those slides. It was, it was one of was both of us. Put your hand up, Cindy one it was her, it was either her or me or both all right we work hard on those things let me read it to you you shall love your neighbor as yourself romans 5:14 and 15 but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another don't bite Don't devour, or you might be consumed. So it's a negative one another. Don't bite each other. Don't be consumed by one another. Now, how many of you have ever had a kid, a baby, a little one that was into biting? Anybody had a kid who would bite? And and you had to teach them not to bite or how not to bite. Guess what? We are all born biters. Maybe not with teeth, but with words and we can speak words that bite and we can speak words that devour and we can get consumed by one another because of the sharpness of our words, because of the unkindness of our words, because of the unthoughtfulness of our words. We can be biting and devouring one another and we get consumed. Just want you to know as we come back into this building This place right here and our life out there is a no-bite zone. You notice where you saw the communion cups on the table on your way in today? Next Sunday, I'm just kidding a bit about this, of course, but you know those little things that you put your false teeth in? We're gonna have rows, those little plastic containers that you put false teeth, you obviously don't have false teeth, so that's good. That, that, that you put your false teeth in, we're going to have rows of them out there. It's going to be a no bite. Deposit your biting, deposit your teeth out in the lobby, please. In here it's going to be love. And here it's going to be patience. And here it's going to be grace. And here it's going to be forgiveness. And here it's going to be bearing with one another. And here it's going to be bearing one another's burdens. Don't bite and don't devour or watch out, you'll be consumed. Which, by the way... Has enormous ramifications for marriage. Hmm? Because in marriage, you can get to a place where you're biting one another and you're devouring one another and you're about to lose your marriage and you're gonna be consumed by one another. Marriage has to be a no bite zone. Put your teeth in the box before you're going to have a conversation it's got to be gums soft it's got to be sweet it's got to be gracious it's got to be love so biting brothers and sisters with words is not faithfully following jesus christ stop the biting if any of you are biting stop the biting all right no bite that's what we used to say to the little one no bite right no bite Here's another negative that's relational. Galatians five twenty six. I hope we have this one. If not, Cindy, your job is on the line. Just telling you. <laughs> or mine is, or both. Paul writes. Here's a, here's a negative one another. Let us not become conceited. Well, why would he say that? Because we're all pretty conceited, or it's pretty easy to be conceited. Let's not go that way. I'm somebody special. I'm better than them I have a better education I have more money I have a cooler car I have a better house I have a cooler wife whatever it is I'm conceited because the slightest thing to differentiate you and put you a little bit above another swells your head so he says let's not do that don't be conceited and then treat each other out of conceit and that conceit can lead to the next thing provoking one another now there are good ways to provoke, and there are bad ways to provoke. Here's a good way, Hebrews. Provoke one another unto love and good deeds. So you're moving them in their soul and in their emotions to pursue love and good deeds. It's a provocation in a good direction, but there are provocations in bad directions, provoking one another Uh, I had to look up a definition of that. To provoke means to stimulate or give rise to a reaction or an emotion, typically a strong or unwelcome one in somebody. To provoke negatively is you're creating a reaction in them. You're provoking them. They're reacting to that, and it's a very negative situation. You've pushed them and pushed them and pushed them, and they're finally going, Don't do that. Don't push them and push them and don't provoke. Don't provoke a husband. Don't provoke a wife. Don't provoke a brother in Christ. Don't push and push and provoke one another. So this is a no provoke zone. And he adds, it's a 2 for a verse. You get two one another's in one verse. And he adds, and not envying one another. Do humans envy? Why did Cain slay Abel? because he envied Abel for the way God accepted his sacrifice. There's lots and lots and lots in God's word about envy and people who did envy and how not to envy. We're told in the New Testament that the the Pharisees envied Jesus because he was getting all the following. Envy is a powerful human emotion. Don't be envying one another, which produces resentful longing. That's what envy is. Resentfully longing for what they have. What are we supposed to do when somebody has something that we want, but they have it, but we don't have it? What are we supposed to do? Yeah, who said that? Be happy for them. Here's how Paul put that. Romans 12, rejoice with those who rejoice. Rejoice. So let's say you've been going to Macy's, which you can't do right now, but you've been going to Macy's, and there's this red jacket. I chose red because you're wearing red. And there's this red jacket, and you're looking at that red jacket, but it's 125 bucks, and you say, I ain't spending it on it, but I really want that jacket. And you go home thinking about the jacket, and you look it up online, and you're trying to find it on sale, and you go back to Macy's, and there's the jacket again. Oh, I really want that jacket, but I can't afford $125. bucks. i am retired. I don't have that kind of money anymore. So, and, and then you, you come to church. Next Sunday, and there's that girl that you don't even like, and she's wearing that red jacket. Now, you can either, how come she is wearing my jacket, or you can be, I am genuinely, deeply thankful that the Lord blessed you with that jacket. That's where we're supposed to land, right? All right? That's right. Not trying to pick on you, Isabel. Just we're good friends, and there you are. So it's a no-envy zone. No conceit, no provoking one another, no envying one another. It's all totally wrong. Rejoice for those who rejoice. Oh, by the way, another part of not envying is practicing biblical Christian contentment. What does the Apostle Paul tell us in 1 Timothy 6? What's our standard for contentment? When am I supposed to be content in life? Having food and clothing, with these we shall be, say the word with me, content. You didn't say the word with me. Say the word with me, content. Thank you. That was a little better. What is the standard required for me to say, ah, ah i'm happy food and clothing how you doing with that how you doing with that we're americans it's hard to do good with that but we're a countercultural people and that's how we roll and because we're content we don't get envying and provoking one another we love one another here's another negative one another there's a bunch of them. another negative one another uh, James four, yeah. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Don't bad mouth a brother or sister in Christ. Amen. Is that what that means? That's what that is. Don't bad mouth a brother and sister. Don't trash talk. Now you can do it if you're joking. If you're just having fun, trash talk all the way. That's fun. But don't trash talk with serious intent a brother or sister in Christ. The Bible says you are forbidden to do that. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Instead, we're told elsewhere to speak words that build up and edify and encourage and strengthen. You know one of the things that really irks me in the body of Christ really irks me, is when, let's take two Christian leaders, nationally known, internationally known, two Christian leaders. This one agrees to the core doctrines of the Christian faith and defends them and would to the death. And this one agrees with the core doctrines of the Christian faith and defends them and would to their death. But they differ over some detail and they get in a feud. They get in this big feud. One of my favorites in recent church history was two theologians, both seminary professors. One's name was Gordon Clark, and the other one is Cornel- Cornelius Van Til. And they both agreed to the core doctrines of the Christian faith. They would both defend them with their life and their blood, but they differed over to what extent and in what way our knowledge of God approximates God's knowledge of thing, of us. Like, can we really know anything as God knows that thing. And the one guy argued, well, yeah, we can. God knows 2 plus 2 is 4, and I know 2 plus 2 is 4. My knowledge approximates his. And the other guy says, no, no, no. He is so far above us that none of our knowledge can possibly approximate the knowledge of God about anything. And they differed so sharply that they split and their followers split over that. Now, my brothers and sisters, will you pardon me if I just say, that's stupid. It just stinks. And these were two seminary professors in really fine seminaries. And then all kinds of, you know, rocks were thrown across the, across the uh, fence at each other. It was just terrible. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Instead, Mr. Clark could have said, Ah, brother Cornelius, good to see you. Give me a hug. I want to greet you with a holy kiss. All right, maybe not that part. And, and they could have stood together and said, We differ on this detail down here, but you know what? We're standing together in love and unity because we agree on the core doctrines of the faith and we want to preach the gospel and show the world how believers love one another. Somehow they just weren't able to pull that off. Don't speak evil. Here's one that's closely related to that James 5 9. And do not grumble against one another, brothers. Do not grumble. Is there anybody in this room who has never grumbled? Have you ever grumbled? Once or twice? Yeah. Have you ever grumbled, brother? Yeah, a couple of times. Uh huh. Like thousands of times. (laughs) Like many times, maybe. Some people are worse than others. But we're told. We're not supposed to grumble against one another. The definition of grumbling is to complain or protest about something in them in a bad-tempered but often muted way. By the way, the word grumble is one of those words that sounds like the thing it describes. It's onomatopoeic. It's like grumble, 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 grumble. That's what grumbling is. It's like the the Greek word for barbarian is barbarian. Barbaros, because it's what their language sounded like to the Greek ear. It sounds like they're saying bar 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 bar, bar so they called them barbarians. There are grumblers, grum 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 grumblers. There's a ton of grumbling in the Bible. Why would that be? Because there's a ton of grumbling on the planet, and there's a lot said about grumbling in the Bible. Let me show you some of these. I'm not putting them up here. They're too long. There's too many. Just listen. I'm going to read for you. Exodus 16, 7 through 8. This is Moses speaking, and he says, And in the morning, you Israelites, in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. Why would God let this happen to me? (coughs) Why isn't God helping me with that? Pardon me. Sometimes we grumble against the Lord. Excuse me. For what are we, Moses says, that you grumble against us? We're nobody. And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full because the lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him what are we your grumbling is not against us but against the lord they were grumbling against moses and aaron and they were grumbling against the lord john chapter 6 verse 41 <clears throat> pardon me so the jews grumbled about jesus because he said i am the bread that came down from heaven and jesus said to them do not grumble among yourselves, they grumbled about Jesus. Jesus says in John 6, 61, where we read, but Jesus knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about something he had just said, he said to them, do you take offense at this? So we have Israelites grumbling, we have Jewish people grumbling, we have disciples of Jesus Christ grumbling, and yet the Bible tells us, can I have that verse again? Do not grumble do not grumble against one another's one another brothers as we come back into the building how many of you think there might be some opportunities for some of us to grumble at others yeah anytime you get back near people who differ from you there's an opportunity for grumbling this isn't a no bite zone this is a no grumble zone and in our relationships out there, it's a no-grumble zone. We are forbidden by our Savior to grumble about one another. So, in the goodness of God, as we ease our way back into the building, our Savior tells us how to treat each other. Now, we're going to move on. Next slide, please. Some of the one and others are about the attitudes that underlie how we treat each other. I'm going to move through these pretty fast. Not gonna say a whole lot about them, but I want you to see them. There are actions, that's what we just saw. Do this, don't do that. But there are attitudes. They underlie the do's and the don'ts. There are things that have to be in your heart toward one another. So here's one, Romans twelve, one. Outdo one another in showing honor. It sounds like We should have a contest. I honor you, and you go, oh, you think that was good? I'll outdo that. Huh, watch this. And then they honor me. And then I go, oh, is that the best you got? That's all you can do? I'm going to honor you. And we're like in an honor contest. Outdo one another. I'm going to honor you more than you honor me, and you're going to honor me, more, and it's going to go on and on and on and on. In other words, really, 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 really honor each other. What's a, picture of mod- what's a picture, what's a model of honor? Well, how many of you have ever been to court? Really, that few? I've been there a couple of times for various purposes. <laughs> and when you stand in front of that judge and he asks you to talk, it's kind of scary, really. And you honor him, at least you should, if you have any sense. And You'll say, yes, your honor. No, Your Honor. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Yes, Your Honor. If you're pulled, pulled over by a police officer because you were speeding, how many of you have ever had that? Come on, there's more hands on that one, right? Okay. And that man or woman comes to your window and says, let me see your papers and all that. Do you treat them like junk or do you honor them and respect them because of their office? Yeah, you treat them with honor. Now, that's the kind of honor we're told to treat one another with. In the Bible, it says we're to honor God. It says we're to honor the king. It says children are to honor their parents. There's a lot of honor, honor, honor going around in the Bible. But the Bible also says honor one another, outdo one another in showing honor. So when I bump into you, I want you to feel honored. Here's another picture of honor. I've used this before. Um, 1 Peter Peter 5, I think. It says... um, Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, granting them honor as a joint heir of the grace of life. So she's the weaker vessel. Can't take time to explain that a little bit right now. And you're to honor her, not take advantage of her, but honor her. So it's like you're a cast iron frying pan and she's fine bone china teacup. And you honor the teacup. You you open the drawer and throw the frying pan in, but you have a very special way you treat the teacup and a special shelf, and it's lit, and it has glass doors, and you take very good care of the teacup. Now, that's what we're being told to do with one another. We're to honor and honor and honor and honor and and outdo one another in showing honor We're going to have an honor contest. The winner does not receive a reward. Otherwise, there will be no reward in heaven. But we're going to have an honor contest. By the way, seriously now, when we get a bigger bunch of us back into this building, and I don't know how we're going to know when that is and how do we measure that, and is that when three-fourths of you are back or what? I don't know. Um, But when we get back, there's going to be a certain day that the staff is planning where we are gonna, we're gonna party. In our worship service, we're going to have a big celebration. We're going to have a big party over the fact that we're back, but a part of that day is going to be a whole lot of you have served in amazing ways and in incredible ways during this whole COVID thing, and we're going to name you. We're going to honor you. We're going to, we're going to uh, let the people know who did this and who did that and who served in the other way, and we're going to show our appreciation for you. You say, well, we're supposed to be worshiping God, not honor honoring people. No, it says right there, outdo one another in showing honor. We're going to show some honor. I can't wait. Does that sound good to y'all? Y'all okay with that? All right. Yeah, that's right. All right. Here's another one of these attitudes that underlies the one and of how we treat each other. Um, Philippians 2, 3. Consider others better than yourselves. Others, that means everybody. Everybody else in the church is better than me. I'm to consider you to be better than me, and you to be better than me, and you're 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 better than me. And And what's that make me? Supposed to make me a servant supposed to make me patient, supposed to make me humble in your presence. We're to consider others as better than ourselves. I wonder how many of you have ever been to Disney. I think, I can never remember. Which one's Disneyland and which one's Disney World? The one in California. Land. Land, thank you. How many of you have been to Disneyland? All right, so of those of you who have been, I've been there too, how many have been on Toad's Wild Ride? Oh, they have it there, too? Oh, okay. Pardon me. You know about Toad? It's from a book by Kenneth Graham titled The Wind in the Willows. It's a great children's book. Really, really recommend it. And there's this toad, and he's arrogant and proud, and he swells up all the time and puffs himself up. And he he gets so proud of himself at one point in the book that he puffs all up, and he sings an, an ode to himself. And, and part of it goes, the clever man at Oxford knows all that there is to be knowed, but there's none of them nearly one half as smart as intelligent Mr. Toad. We do that. We consider ourselves better than others. Now, you're, you're married, you guys are married. You consider her better than you and you consider him better than you. And you outdo one another in showing honor. And the whole thing is characterized by love. And you don't bite and devour one another. This is a pretty good marriage we're working on here. It's also a pretty good church we're working on here. Consider others better than yourselves. Next one, got to move faster. Spend less time on each one, that is. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Could we use a dose of that in our country right now? Kind and compassionate. You differ with somebody? Kind and compassionate. Here's another one, 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. It's humility. I'm getting smaller. And you're getting bigger. And you matter more than me. So some of the one another's are about the attitudes that underlie getting along. Now I want to I just have a few minutes left and I want to go ahead and touch on the next category. Some of the one another's are also about edifying one another. They're about edifying one another. A whole lot of what we do as believers in the Lord Jesus and as fellow members of a local church is we seek to edify one another. To edify is a a word from construction. It simply means to build up, like you build up a building, like you build up a house. And we're in the body of Christ to do a lot of different things, some of them Godward, some of them manward. The manward part, some of it is, I want to build them up. I want to strengthen you. When we have an interaction, I I want the net result to be you come out a stronger follower of the Lord Jesus. I want to edify you. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, Paul talks a lot about edifying and love, edifying and love, edifying and love. And he says in there, let all things be done for edification. Everything you do is to build some other believers up. Now, let me just give you some verses on this. We won't spend long on them, and then we're gonna pray and be done. So get ready. So then, Romans 14, 19. So then, let us pursue... What makes for peace? Are there any tensions? Are there any rifts? Are there any disagreements? Are there any different views? All right, what can I do that will bring peace? Let us pursue what makes for peace. And for mutual, the Greek word there is alelos one another, for mutual upbuilding. What can we do here so that you're building me up and I'm building you up? That's got to be a major concern as we come back into the body of Christ. And 1 Thessalonians 5:11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We are to encourage one another. It ought to be like a big love fest here on Sundays. It ought to be like a big encouragement fest as well. You're passing people, they're serving in some way, you encourage them, thank you so much for serving us at Kid Check today, which isn't operating today. Thank you so much for preparing communion today. Thank you so much for working at the soundboard and getting all this stuff going. I don't want to encourage you. We're blessed by your work, and we ought to be encouraging and encouraging and encouraging. You don't just walk into church like, okay, I hope it's good today. Hope the band's going to be at least an eight today. Maybe Pastor Steve will hit seven today. He doesn't very often, but maybe he will today. Hope it's going to be a good day. And then it's all over. It's like you've been eating. And then church closes, and you go out the door, and, and all you were was a consumer. Total opposite of what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to come together to love, and to encourage, and to give, and to bear one another's burdens. So you're going to church to serve. You're going to church to love. And when you're interacting with church out there, it's to give. And a big part of it is encouraging one another. And the next verse, and admonishing one another. That's a stronger word. There's a range of Greek verbs about how we speak to one another. The first is probably encourage. That's the light end. That's the easy one. Then the next one is exhort one another. That's a little heavier. Then the next one is admonish. That's getting rather heavy. And then the next one is rebuke. That's like real heavy. And there are some young men I've met who only know that rebuke is in the Bible. Like their spiritual gift is to rebuke. What do you do in the body of Christ? I rebuke who? Everybody. They were called sons of thunder by the Lord Jesus. They're always around out there. Should we call thunder down? on Should we call lightning down on them, Lord? Fire down on them? Whatever it was. Admonish one another is a stronger word. It's used by Paul in Romans 15, 14 and Colossians three sixteen. 16. And uh, a Christian counselor from the 70s and 80s, he was very popular then, his name was J. Adams. And he instituted this form of counseling called neuthetic counseling. And the idea of newthetic counseling is you admonish people from God's word about their behavior rather than just being a Rogerian paraclete and you repeat after them, oh, you're feeling angry, oh, okay. Instead of them finding the solutions to their problems in their soul, which is desperately wicked, who can know it? We're going to find the solutions in God's Word and admonish you with them. That's biblical. It's biblical to admonish people. Well, look, husband, here's what God's Word says. And the husband says, I just don't love her anymore. And you say, well, then you're going to have to learn to. Because God's Word doesn't give you the option not to love her. Husbands, love your wives. Now you're being an admonishing counselor, not a Rogerian counselor paraclete that just repeats back, oh, you don't love her anymore. Oh, how do you feel about that? No, 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 no. We are to admonish one another. But those of you who like to admonish and rebuke, don't forget we're also supposed to encourage and exhort one another. It's a whole range of those things here in the body of Christ. Let me go to one more of these, and then we're going to can it, all right? Because I, I got to go to Ephesians five nineteen because there's something I want to say about it. Ephesians 5:19 please thank you speaking to one another with psalms hymns and spiritual songs now i have a trick question for you so be warned it's a trick question when you come to church and when you sing and isn't it great i'll say again singing without masks yes thank you lord When you come to church and you sing, and man, you guys, you should sit up front and hear the church sing. And there's only a little group of us here, but it's good. When you sing, here's the trick question. Are you singing for God? Are you singing to God and for God? Or are you singing to people and for people? Yeah. Because the phrase that comes after that says, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. So it's both, it's both and, it's not either or. Can we say a large part of what you're doing when you come to church and you sing is you are seeking to minister to your brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, here's just something I've been dying for an opportunity to tell you and right now I have my opportunity. This is bad, it's an opportunity I've wanted and it's late in the sermon and you're all brain dead by now. But I want you to get this. It's really interesting. In 1 Corinthians 12 and especially 14, Paul lays out for us what a worship service, what a biblical New Covenant believer worship service might look like. He never even mentions the Godword aspect of it all. He only mentions and says again and again and again, let all things be done for edification. Based on that, it might be more b- biblical to call it an edification service rather than a worship service. Service. I'm not really, I don't really mean that. But all Paul talks about is the horizontal part. Let everything you do be done to edify believers. Do this, don't do that, because this will edify believers. So don't get so, I hate this phrase. I hate this, these terms, God-centered and man-centered. I'll preach a sermon someday on why I hate those, but I hate them because they're abusive. Don't get so into this, oh, it's gotta be God-centered. Worship is only for God, it's all. No, it's for people. You're speaking to people. You're edifying people. You're building up people. It's for God and it's for people. Don't make false dichotomies that aren't in Scripture, all right? All right, thank you. Scroll down to the end. Love, get along, have attitudes that help you get along. Edify, serve, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. As we return, Gabrielle, thanks. But don't forget to to bring in. All this has been built up. Don't forget to bring in. Don't forget to bring in. Thank you. I like those nods. Some of you have not come to faith. Some of you in this room perhaps have not come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus. Some of you at home have not come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus. You're just looking in. You're looking into a church and you're hearing what life is supposed to be like in a church. That's not perfect, but it is those things substantially, the things you've been hearing. And maybe you're thinking, I'd like to be part of a community like that. Maybe you're also thinking, I'd, I'd really like to know how to have more of God in my life. Well, I'll tell you where it starts. It starts with you taking your heart and handing it over to God. It starts with you turning and saying, Lord, I, I want you to be God to me. I want you to be God in my life. And I know I'm a sinner, but Jesus, I've heard, and I I know, I'm believing now, you died for sinners like me. Lord Jesus, please, would you have me? Could I be one of yours? Could I be part of that love fest? Could I be part of the community of faith that follows you, Lord Jesus? If any of that's in your heart, I want you to pray with me right now, please. And I'm going to help lead you in a prayer to take you up to Christ. Let's bow. Father in heaven we're praying that you will draw some people right now into the fold that you will draw them by grace and through faith into your very presence and there may they bow their hearts and believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved and if you want me to help you pray a prayer here's how it might go Father I'm a sinner I've broken your commandments I've grieved your holy spirit i've wounded my own conscience but i'm ready to be made right with you and i know it's through the blood of jesus it's the sacrifice of christ through his offering on the cross that i can be made right with you i'm asking you now father may i be right with you through the blood of christ wash me save me cleanse me make me new in the lord jesus pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you just prayed that with me, please go to the connect card. That's a digital connect card down in the description of the video below and reach out to us so we can get in touch with you and help get you going in your Christian life.